Welcome to Encouraging Truths for Today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Second Peter 1, 1. We're going to focus on just the, the first part of this greeting, but we'll read the entire verse. Second Peter 1, 1 says, Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained or received like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, how we long for you to bless this reading of your word and the preaching of your word today. What a waste of time today would be if all we had were my words. But what an eternal investment into our hearts and lives because we have your word. And in the large context of your word, these simple words take on great meaning and purpose for us. So, Father, please speak to us from your word, because unless you speak, I still believe I have nothing to say if you don't. Please, Father, please speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a word that bounces around a lot right now is protection. Uh, we need to be protecting ourselves uh, from a, a number of things. The, the most pressing that has been pressed upon us right now is protection in the area of health and taking precautions and, and doing what would, would be most helpful to do our best to avoid uh, being infected or infecting others but there's a, another type of protection that we hear a lot about that I want us to focus on today from a scriptural perspective, and that's identity protection. Identity protection. How do you identify yourself? There's so many labels that we carry through life, don't we? Uh, just think of uh, typical labels that we we wear. We, we might wear the label of our, our name, our last name. For me, Dickinson. That has great meaning to me because I think about those who have come before me and those who are coming behind me. It, it identifies me to a certain extent. Even my first name, Keeney, is my mother's maiden name. It brings significance, but that, that's not where my identity is anchored. So if, if you identify yourself just by a name and a heritage and an ancestral family, that, that's not big enough or broad enough to sustain you. There are some in here that would say, I'm, I'm a Texan or I'm an East Texan, to be more specific, or I'm a Floridian, or I'm a New Mexican, or I'm a Mississippi whatever, Mississippian, or a Yankee or New Yorkian. <laughs> But that 
that place where our life began, whether it was in Washington State or wherever, that, that, that's, not, that's not good enough of an identity, is it? And, and we might say, well, I, I affiliate with this political party. Well, well good for you, but that, that label fluctuates, doesn't it? You might say, well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist. Well, good for you, but that's not good enough. That's not a good enough identity, although I, I, I believe in the doctrine that we embrace. I, I'm not ashamed to, to wear that label because of the doctrinal truth that we hold dear, but, but that's, not, that's not good enough. We might even say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, that, that label has lost meaning in our culture, hasn't it? Because that name gets thrown around, and so we would, we would have to go even further than that. I am a follower of Christ, one who has repented of my sin and am following Christ. Now we're getting to where our identity can be anchored to that. Because we need something to which our identity can be anchored that's beyond my life and that transcends me. It, it goes beyond my, my future and my past heritage and my legacy. It goes beyond all of that. I need my identity anchored to something that is eternal. And so our spiritual identity, if we belong to Christ, is that we are his and we belong to him and he is our savior. But so many times it's easy to forget who you are, isn't it? I've heard testimonies through the years where students would leave their home uh, to go to a gathering or something, and especially from a grandmother's house, and the last words they would hear as they left the front door is, remember who you are and remember where you came from. And the unsaid statement was, remember who you're going to have to come home to. Remember who you are. So who would be the greatest identity thief? Satan. He steals and he destroys. Now, can he rob me of my position in Christ? No. I am in the Father's hand and no one and nothing can snatch me out of his hand if I have truly come to Christ. That is sealed for eternity, but he can steal my perspective of identity from me. He, he does that with people before they come to Christ. He, he helps them to forget that they are created in the image of God and they are accountable to him. But not only am I created in the image of God as a believer, I am created in the image of God and I am being conformed to the image of Christ. That's my identity. Now, what happens when someone steals your identity? You feel the weight of more debt, don't you? You start feeling the weight of debt because that's, that's why they, they have these infomercials about identity protection and avoiding identity theft because they will amass debt in your name. And they can destroy you and cause you to lose everything. Well, well in reality, Satan can't, can't add to our debt because our, our debt was great and Christ paid the debt for us. But when he steals our identity, he, he tries to bring us back under the weight of that debt. And we begin to live as if the, the weight is not gone, that we have not been set free from the penalty of sin and we're not living in victory over the power of sin because he's, he's stolen that identity of being victorious because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. That means more than conquerors, I believe, means you didn't have to win the battle. It was won for you and the victory was given to you. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so if he can get you to come under that weight and begin to look at yourself 
through the eyes of culture or the eyes of even the church and, and not through the eyes of Christ and the word of God, then you begin to carry around that debt again. You're kind of like the, the man that, that entered a, a train, a passenger train, and, and he was carrying two very heavy suitcases and he had a backpack that was loaded down. And, and when he got on the train, the, the, the seats were full. And so he stood there in the aisle for this short trip and he continued to hold those heavy suitcases and uh, the suitcases get heavier the longer you hold them, don't you? And finally, someone leaned out into the aisle and said, sir, if you'll set those suitcases down, the train will carry them for you. The weight has been lifted. Christ takes that burden of sin, but so many times we, we, in shame and guilt, allow the enemy to steal our identity of being those who have been redeemed and liberated by the blood of Jesus. We begin to wear that, bear that weight of sin upon ourselves again. And so our goal would be not to allow Satan or some critical person or some hyper-religious person who is very legalistic to heap guilt and shame upon you to where Satan can use that. And haven't you just been spellbound watching a movie or something where somebody has amnesia and they can't remember who they are? And as you watch that, you think, well, they're getting so close to making those connections. They're, they're seeing things that ought to bring that back, but, 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 but it's not. You see, coming, coming to church can't help you overcome spiritual amnesia completely. You've got to come to a fresh, gripping understanding of who you are in Christ. So who are you really? Who are you really? I know who I perceive you to be. I, I know you perceive me to be something, but we're all not as bad as some people think, and we're not as good as we think. Who are you really? Well, just think about those opening words of Second Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, of Jesus Christ. So if, if we were asking Simon Peter that question, his first answer here is, I am a servant. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, think about Peter. Here's Simon Peter. If, if we were in his position and we had his possession of experience and the level of relationship that he had with Jesus and a personal face-to-face -face relationship, you and I might be tempted to say, Simon Peter, one of the 12, comma, one of the three, parentheses, Mount of Transfiguration. Some of those scenes where he was only found with James and John next to Jesus. The one who gazed into the empty tomb, one of the first to be there. You see, we might list it out like a resume but here Simon Peter simply says, a servant, a servant. Humility always shocks me and impresses me. When I find out someone is so much more than I thought, and when they think, truly not false humility, but they just think, of themselves in perspective to Jesus. 
Yeah, he was one of the 12. He was one of the three. Yeah, he gave up his livelihood. He forsook his fishing nets and he followed Jesus. He had quite a roller coaster ride in that relationship. But it appears the the further he went in his walk with Christ, even after the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, he held himself in lower esteem and Christ in higher esteem. For instance, if you turn to the beginning of 1 Peter, the first letter that he writes It begins with the greeting, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's still a rather humble greeting. He he just says, I was in that group. And it was not a credential to impress you, but it was a, a credential to invite you to listen to what he had to say. He was using that term apostle there and later in 2 Timothy, I mean 2 Peter, to not just identify who he was, but to invite you to hear from an eyewitness who knew Jesus, touched Jesus, heard Jesus, saw Jesus. But then toward the end of his life here, the last message he would write Starts out, Simon Peter, a servant. And and servant doesn't get at the heart of what that word means. The Greek word there is doulos. That, That word didn't just mean servant, it meant slave. And and it wasn't just a a word slave, but but it carried the connotation of bond slave or bond servant, one who is in a low, 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 low position, owned and controlled and under the rule of a master. It's softened there in some translations a servant, but it, it would have been slave or bond slave. That was an image of their culture, not that the scripture condoned that, but that was the reality in the Roman Empire that there were perhaps more slaves than free people because they were prisoners of war and people who had gone into debt and became owned by the one that they owed money to. He says, I'm just a bond slave. Who are you? Well, if Simon Peter viewed himself that way, why in the world would we want to be cocky about who we are? I'm just a recipient of his grace and a servant. You see, we live in a culture where we have a rock star mentality. We have books about Jesus who have the picture of the author covering the cover. We have ministries that are consumed by personalities and and we attend conferences and and listen to podcasts and things of rock star type preachers because they have a name, but their only worth and value is the name that they proclaim, and that's Jesus. We're just a servant. That's who you are. But not only who are you, but but why are you here? Not not just here at church, why and not just in this physical location on the map, but but the very heart of who you are, why are you here? Why do you exist? Why do you live where you do? Why why does that existence have any purpose or meaning? Well, Simon Peter answers that question in a personal way here. He says, I am Simon Peter, 
a servant, and apostle of Jesus Christ. That's who he was. So he was a servant or a bond slave. And the word apostle means one who is sent or a sent one. Someone who is sent on a mission on behalf of another. They have been authorized and expedited to do something on behalf of one who is over them and commanding them to do so. One who is sent. Now, I know in our culture, you'll see people say, well, this is apostle so-and-so, and and this is apostle so-and-so. And when you hear that, you need to get away from that. There are no more apostles. No big A apostles. That, that's the beginning of a false understanding of what Christ did for us. And those initial followers, he chose 12 whom he named apostles. Why? They were people that walked with him, learned from him, were taught by him, mentored by him, trained by him that witnessed his resurrection, that were, were there to proclaim the apostles' doctrine and teaching and, and pass that on into the world. And even that spiritual gift, apostle, there, there are no more prophets and apostles. We, we have the word of God. We have the teaching of the apostles. Now, there are people that speak prophetically, not some eerie, mystical prophecy, but hopefully my message today will be prophetic in that I'm speaking forth the word of God under the power of God and under the authority of God. And, and I, I long to be similar in a sense that I may sent one to you with a message to you and to me from God's word, but I am no apostle. But I know some of us have been in the presence of people together even that called themselves an apostle and it created great concern and alarm. And so again, he identifies himself as an apostle, not to impress you, but to invite you to listen to what he has to say. I am a servant. He's saying, it's not about me. I am a servant. I am a sent one. And that's our identity as well, isn't it? I have been sent to serve. To serve you. You have been sent to serve me, fellow servants, to serve those that we long to see come into the kingdom. We have been sent to serve, but not just each other. We've been sent to serve the Savior by serving each other. So, so this, even this simple phrase at the beginning of the book just boggles the mind that, that in this understanding that Simon Peter had is, is at the heart of who we really are. We have been sent to serve. And if you're not serving, you need to look at your heart because even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, it says in Mark 10, 45. But many of us have taken it to mean I have been sent to sit. If I sit and I put in my time, then I'm good to go. I, I took care of that. Check it off the list. No, you were not sent to sit. You were sent to serve. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, in the church office, and like many offices, uh, we'll get calls, and you know there, there can be all kinds of phone calls that come in, and some of these uh, telemarketers or uh, marketing people can sound like they really know you when they ask for you. And from my office, I've heard, heard Pam ask these questions, 
To whom am I speaking? Jot that down. Uh, What is the purpose of your call? Why are you calling? And uh, who are you with? Who are you representing? And then she'll say on the intercom, Brother Kenny, and I'll say, no. That's the beauty of being in a small office. You know, there are times somebody come in, she'll say, can so-and-so see you? And I'll say, not from there. I already know who's there and what's going on. But anyway, they don't represent the right person. If it's not someone I know, et cetera, I I don't want to waste a lot of time with somebody trying to get me to take something on a trial basis, knowing that my ADD mind will cause me to forget to send it back when I need to. But here, this answers those same questions. Who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Simon Peter, a servant. Now, now, why are you here? I'm an apostle sent. Whom do you represent? I am a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So think about that written over your life. Now, now who are you? I am a servant. Why are you here? God sent me here. Tomorrow, wherever you go, you can go with the understanding you are there as an ambassador of Christ and he has commissioned you to represent him. I'm a servant. That's who I am. I have been sent. That's why I'm here. Whom do you represent? I represent the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. You see, your identity and importance is not anchored to the amount of money you amass, the possessions that you have, the influence you exert, the prominence you've gained. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus Your identity and your importance is anchored to him and nowhere else. So those are three very important questions. But I've been asked before, I'll tell them, you know, saying, okay, what's your first name? And they're filling something out. Kenny. Okay, K-E-N-N-Y. And I'll say, no, it's, it's K-E-N-E-Y. Okay, K-E-N-N-E-Y. No. K-E-E. And I want to say, go ahead and write that down. N, as in nuisance, E-Y, Keeney. And they'll say, that's a unique name. Where did that name come from? My parents. Where did your name come from? I don't say that. And I get to tell them the story. It's my mother's maiden name. She had a brother named Randall Keeney. He died during World War II as a pilot trainer. The one he was training froze at the sticks. He refused to let him go all the way down by himself and didn't jump from the plane until he knew he would die too, but he jumped in order to spare his body because that was the request of my grandmother. And so I have the honor of bearing the name Keeney to extend it further because he was the last male Keeney in that line of the family. Then sometimes the next question is, so did you name one of your boys that? And I said, no. After I carried the name around, they said, don't worry about it anymore. Where'd you get your name? What does it mean? Now people 
scroll the internet to find a name with great meaning. Um, my grandkids have special names that, that have meaning to them. We used to buy books of baby names. We, we can see what's trending and, and, and what would be good or impressive. But what if you ask Simon Peter that? Okay, um, you've told me who you are. You've told me why you're here. And you told me whom you represent, but, but tell me about your name. What does your name mean, Simon Peter? I believe at that point, a smile would come across his face. He would say, well, my, my first name came from my parents. I used to be known as Simon, son of Jonas, or Simon, son of John, but, but there was one who changed my life and he changed my name as well. He called me Peter, Simon Peter. Well, that's interesting. How did that happen? Well, uh, we can walk through that in John chapter 1, verse 42. You find where that, that name change occurs. John chapter 1, verse 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, went and got him and brought him to Jesus. So when Andrew met Jesus, the first person he wanted to know about it was his brother, Simon, and he brings him to Jesus. And he tells Simon in verse 41, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at Simon, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah or Jonas or John. And then he says, you shall be called Cephas. Has anybody ever given you a nickname? Some of your spouses kind of looked your direction and smiled as if that's a safe-kept secret. I remember in college, there was this guy that said, man, everybody in the dorm's got a nickname. I don't have a nickname. Give me a nickname. So he, he asked me of all people. I said, okay, toenail. And it, it kind of grew on him. And he, he didn't appreciate his name. We called him TN for short. Can you imagine Jesus giving you a new name? The Bible says he has a name for you. you. You'll be called Peter. Oh, well, that's cool. Jesus gave you that name. Well, well let me tell you a little bit more about this name. There was a time where, where it got better defined, and in Matthew chapter 16, we find that. You remember Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi there with his disciples, recorded in Matthew 16, and he asked his disciples, saying to them in verse 13, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What, what are they posting about me on Facebook? What are they tweeting about me? What are they calling me out there, we might say, in our culture? So they said, some say John the Baptist, that's pretty impressive. Some say Elijah, that's good. Some say even Jeremiah, one of the prophets, well, that's impressive as well. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? Think about that question, who do you say I am? Well, my grandma always said, no, 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 <laughs> uh-uh. Who do you say that I am? Well, my Sunday school teacher always, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. Who do you say that I am? What is your understanding of me? Who, who do you say that I am? That's what means the most. And it says in verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, as he was prone to do, 
You are the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the anointed one. Christ is not a name. It is a title. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah or Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, great answer, Peter. You get a star on your chart for the day. That was a good thing. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But notice what he calls him. It's not Peter. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, Blessed are you. You got it right. You didn't come up with that. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. And then he presents a pun of a sense. And I say to you, saying this to Simon, that you are Peter. That word is Petros which means a, a small stone. And on this rock, and, and, and we have come to understand, he's speaking of himself and the profession that is made of him, but because of the reality that he is the rock, in the Greek, that would have been Petra, large rock or, or cliff. A large rock a little stone. You are a little stone. I am the foundation stone, the, the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. He said, you, he might say, you see, when he first gave me that name, it, it seemed like just kind of a, a unique name, I'm, I'm Petros. But then he identified who I was in relationship to him. I, I'm a small, insignificant stone, but he's the foundation rock that stands secure. Oh, well, Peter, that's wonderful. Well, so he always called you Peter after that? Well, no. What began to be one of the darkest seasons of my life, Peter might say, I heard him revert back to calling me Simon. Really? So it was a dark time, yes. It was a time where I made some promises to him and I didn't keep them. And he knew it. Because even before I broke my promise, he called me Simon. He knew there'd be a time I would act like my old self. I wouldn't act like Peter, the one named by him. We find that scene in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and following. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Don't you know that got his attention? Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you all that he may sift you all as wheat, but I have prayed for you specifically, Simon. That's what it literally says, that your faith should not fail, Simon. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But Simon Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go to, with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. Peter says, no way. But before the rooster was through crowing and greeting the morning, 
He had denied him three times, once with cursing. And it says when the third time happened, he looked toward Jesus there, arrested and condemned. And Jesus looked back at him. They made eye contact. And it says, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever been there? You you came to a point where you weren't no longer acting like your new self and you were acting like your old self and then the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon you and it was as if you looked into the eyes of Jesus and it just broke you. It was like the, the dam had busted and water was pouring out of your eyes because you realized how far you had wandered. We might say, Peter, I'm so sorry. But you still call yourself Simon Peter, even though you walked away from him? Well, well, that's not the end of the story. Oh, okay. Well, Peter, tell me more. Tell me just a little bit more. I know we're limited on time, but, but Peter, just, just give me another glimpse of this. Um, so, so he started calling you, you Peter again? Well... Not exactly. Not exactly. You see that one who named me Peter, he was arrested and falsely accused. He was accused of blaspheming God when in reality he was God and he was crucified in a bitter death. And, but you were there, Peter? No, 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 I wasn't there. I see. And he was placed in a borrowed tomb. And, and so, so you guys helped bury him? No, 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 I wasn't part of that. Oh, my. But then he rose again. And we all saw him. He, he walked into the room without opening the door. And the door was even locked. And we knew it was him. Oh, oh, so, so, so tell me more. Well, well, he appeared to us more than once, but, but there was this, this other time on the seashore that, that he let me just come go for a walk with him. Oh, I bet it was so good to hear him call you Peter again. Well, no, no, you're misunderstanding. He, he didn't call me Peter. He called me Simon again. You see, even after his resurrection, I was acting like my old self, doing what my old self used to do. I was fishing. And we had breakfast with him. And then he said, Simon, son of Jonah, I, I, I love my dad, Peter might say, but I, I just wanted to hear him say Peter again. But as we walked along the seashore, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I answered him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I, I love you. I, I didn't express all-out love because I, I didn't want to use the highest form because I had failed. Well, what did he say when you said, yes, you know that I love you? Well, he said to me, feed my lambs. Oh, so that was it? No, 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 listen, he said. A second time, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Well, well, isn't that a question he already asked you, Peter? Yes, but he asked me again. And this time I, I, I answered expressing a cautious love to him. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
He said to me then, tend my sheep. Oh, I, I guess you got the point there. He, he emphasized it twice. No, Peter might say, he emphasized it three times, the same number of times I had denied him. It pained me because I somehow realized he was making me acknowledge my failure but embracing his victory. So he said to me a third time, Peter might say, Simon, son of Jonah, do do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he says to me, feed my sheep. Then he went on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Feed my sheep, follow me. Follow me, feed my sheep. Oh, I get it. Just like he said, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You, you, you're to feed them and come alongside them. And, and just like on the day of Pentecost, I get it. You, you preached and you, you were a fisher of men and a feeder of sheep then. You, you entered your identity Yes, I'm Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I follow him and I feed them. That's who I am. That's what my name means. I am the little stone that magnifies the big rock. I am the under-shepherd that serves the chief shepherd. I am the sinner that magnifies the Savior. That's who I am. just like that first part of verse 1. I could say today, I am who I am and where I am because I have been sent here by Christ to do what he has sent me to do. Takes the weight off of me and it puts the weight on him as I follow him and guide him to equip me and direct me into his will. And I could say about you, if you're a follower of Christ, you are who you are and where you are because you have been sent here by Christ to do what he has sent you to do. Don't let that identity be stolen. Don't let it become blurred. The ultimate questions are, are you where Christ wants you to be? Not geographically, but spiritually? Are you where Christ wants you to be? Are you still following? Are you where Christ wants you to be and are you doing what Christ wants you to do? The flip side would be, are you doing anything that Christ wouldn't want you to do? If you're not doing what Christ wants you to be, you're not being what Christ, if you're not doing what Christ wants you to do, you're not being who Christ wants you to be and saved you to be. And today, just like to Simon Peter, he says, follow me. 
Just follow me. When you can't go anywhere, follow me. Wherever you go, follow me. Just follow me. And feed my sheep that I put in your path. You might say, well, I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm... Do you have children? Do you have family? Follow and feed. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. In my Bible, because of the way it's printed, Simon Peter is in all caps. That would embarrass him, I would think. Because the most important name and title in that verse is not Simon Peter. It's Jesus Christ. We are less than a footnote. But he is the eternal Savior. Don't forget that. So I ask you today, do you know Jesus? Are you following him? Are you identifying yourself by looking at him and not anybody else? Are you, are you, are you truly one of his? If you're not, would you come to him today? And, and if you are and you're out of his will, would you make that right today? I want us to stand and pray Ms. Deanne, play. I just want to give some opportunity for us to prayerfully reflect upon the Word of God today. And if you need prayer, you know, I, we can pray together without physical contact. We can make that spiritual contact right here at the front of the church. But let's all pray and allow the word of God to be absorbed into our hearts and our minds and our life. That we might truly be identified by Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people, making a difference by making disciples from our neighborhood to the nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrockett.org. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.